the mystery completed. Revelation 10.7 in the Amplified. And it says, But that when the days come, when the trumpet call of the seventh angel is about to be sounded, then God's mystery, his secret design, his hidden purpose, as he announced the glad tidings to his servants, the prophets should be fulfilled, accomplished, completed. At the seventh trumpet, fulfilled, accomplished, completed, end, no more, over. Jesus comes, bang, at the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52. That's when it is over, the seventh trumpet. Now look at these scriptures, same scripture, New Living Translation. It says, when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. Berean Literal Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound the trumpet, then the mystery of God would be completed, as proclaimed to his servants, the prophets. New American Standard Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. Finished. There's no more judgments. It's finished. It's over. It's complete. We must get that in our head. And I think the whole church has to take this on board. It's not. It's the seventh trumpet is the complete end to the tribulation. It says it so clear. Finished. As he preached to his servants, the prophets. Listen to this. The King James Version. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, what happened? He died. It's finished. When the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, it is finished. There's no more. Now, we're doing the Revelation series today. Thank you so much, Jesus. Excuse me for one second. Had pizza last night. Oh, How dry you get when you have pizza? Salt. Oh. It's the salt. Yeah. Yeah. I had three or four glasses of water before bed. Yeah. And that didn't serve me well. I was up all night. Oh, no. At least I wasn't parched until about four o'clock. This is uh, part 33 of the Revelation series. Now, I've spoken on this subject uh, before, but this time I'm coming in because it was God sort of revealed a whole heap of new information. And I never, I still don't feel I've ever really got it properly so it's clear. So I'm hoping I'm getting even closer today to making this subject quite clear. And if we could turn to Revelation 10, verse 11. Lord, just help me today to preach your word. Uh, whenever we preach in the book of Revelation, we know there's um, some s strong warnings in that book that if we, uh, excuse me, if we change uh, anything or alter anything or add to uh the book of Revelation, the plagues in the book will be added to us. If we take anything away, we'll be getting things taken away from us as well. So Lord, I take this very, very seriously that uh, um, I, I preach it faithfully and truthfully by the power of the Spirit. So help me here as I re reveal this sermon today and uh, be with us and make us all very discerning of the truth that's getting s spoken here. So help us to be very clear-minded today and... Uh, Help us to see what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Chapter 10, verse 11, and it says this. It says, Then I was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So let's read that again. Then I was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Now, that's, I've always found that a fascinating passage because right before the seventh trumpet is about to be blown, um, Jesus says, or the angel says, you must prophesy again. So what he was basically saying, you're coming to the completion of a prophecy, and I'm about to give you a fresh one, a new prophecy from around this point onward. So after you see the end of this one, you must prophesy again about many nations, languages and kings, peoples, nations, languages and kings. So that's interesting. We remember Pharaoh's dream. Who's read in the book of Genesis about Pharaoh's dream? Yeah. 
and just briefly, uh, Pharaoh had a dream, and the dream was there was seven uh, full stalks of wheat or corn, and then seven lean ones. Then he had a dream of another day or another time in the dream. He had another dream of seven fat cows and seven lean cows. And uh, now that's interesting because there was two dreams and what Joseph revealed was they were one of the same. Just different, different way of looking at the same uh, time. Seven periods of famine, oh sorry, seven uh, years of prosperity to seven years of famine. And there wasn't seven years for the lean stalk and then seven years, oh, sorry, seven years for the fat healthy stalk to the seven years for the lean and then another seven for the healthy cow to the unhealthy one. There wasn't 7, 40, 21, 28 years in all. There was only 14 years. So to understand Hebraic prophecy, we must interpret it from the standpoint of how God reveals dreams. So when you read the book of Revelation, it's coming from a tradition of prophecy, of how God reveals prophecy to his people. And if we don't understand that tradition, and if we try to interpret the way we just read it, like it's just, oh, it happens that, follows 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 that, and it's all in order, then we get really confused because it doesn't make sense. But what I want to reveal today is when, when I understood this, when I really grasped this, this whole thing, the whole book of Revelation just fell into place. There's still some elements that are still got to pull together, but the, this element of it really falls into place. If God repeats a dream in a different form, it means it has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And that is in Genesis 41.32. Well, let's read that. And I want to explain something about that. So this is about the dream that uh, Pharaoh had. And it says in verse 32, The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. It's been firmly decided. It's been established. It can't be changed. It will happen no matter how much prayer you pray about it. It's going to happen because I've repeated the dream twice. That's it. It's done. The book of Revelation is going to happen because I don't just believe it's been repeated twice. I believe it's been repeated three times. Could be twice only, but I, I've been leading to believe there's three times. And so it's not just firmly established. It's in, in stone. It cannot be changed. And when we understand that, then we understand why we have the six seals, why we have the seven trumpets, and why we have the seven bowls of God's wrath. So the correct interpretation, if, if there are seven seals and seven trumpets and seven vials, and they were all independent judgments, that means there would be 21 ju judgments enacted by God. It doesn't, that sort of teaching doesn't work into Hebraic prophecy the way he always revealed dreams. You know when uh, uh, Jonah went into Nineveh, he had a prophecy. It was a single prophecy. It wasn't repeated. It was a single prophecy. Now what happened when the king of Nineveh heard about the prophecy of, Ju of Jonah? God changed his mind. God changed his mind. He recanted of doing the disaster on Nineveh. Because it was just a single prophecy. It wasn't a... If, there was, if he prophesied and then prophesied again... It would be done. Even if the king repented, it wouldn't change anything. Even if the people of the world repented, the book of Revelation will still go ahead. There are some teachers out there that says, you know, we should pray that God will bring the world to repentance, that the book of Revelation will not be fulfilled and we'll just all go to heaven now. But that's, that's false teaching. It won't happen. Because the matter's been firmly established by God and there's a whole book written about it. If he didn't go ahead with it, you know, the book of Revelation would be of non-effect. However, that is not how I believe we should interpret prophecy which stems from Hebraic tradition. So there's also in the book of Daniel, Daniel 2 speaks of a great statue representing four great kingdoms, the head of gold, silver, bronze, actually it was five, I should have wrote five, 
and then there was iron, and then the iron mixed with clay. I'll make that correction later. There's five kingdoms. Daniel 7 speaks of four beasts, which also relate to the same kingdoms. There's the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the mutant beast with ten horns and iron teeth. So it, it's talking about the same kingdoms that were to come. Two different prophecies. The key to understanding apocalyptic part of Revelation is our text, Revelation 10.11, and it says, He said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. You must prophesy again. I must firmly establish what I've already written through your hand. I must prophesy one more time, and it's going to be fixed in stone. It cannot be changed. If he didn't do a second prophecy in relation to the first prophecy, it will not be fixed. It will, it, we could, he could change his mind. But it was an effort to not change his mind. We cannot, he will not recant. Now the Amplified says in Revelation 10:11, Then they said to me, You are to make a fresh prophecy, a fresh one, concerning many peoples and races, races and nations and languages and kings. So I'll just briefly explain what I'm about to teach you now. You have the seven trumpet judgments of God and the seven bowls of God's wrath. And most um, uh, eschatological teaching today teaches you that it's separate. You get to the seventh trumpet, after the seventh trumpet, then the, the bowls begin. That's not what I believe. And I've done a lot of research into this and I see the parallels between them all. And there's even parallels back to the seventh seal or the sixth seals that the sixth seal seems to be saying the same thing as the seventh trumpet says and the seventh bowl of God's wrath. That the first six seals are a different way of looking at the same period of tribulation. And when the seventh seal, what they say in, 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 in traditional uh, multi-sealed uh, scrolls is... You, you open up the early seals, which give you briefings on what's inside the, the, the seal in total. When you get to the seventh one, you open it and the whole thing comes out and you get the whole thing in its entirety in relation to what you had just been briefed on. So the seventh seal was the, was the, the total content of what was briefed in the first six seals. Now there's another amazing or two more amazing texts 1 Corinthians 15 51 to 52 and this is in the Amplified take notice I tell you a mystery a secret truth an event decreed by the hidden purpose or counsel of God we shall not all fall asleep in death but we shall all be changed transformed in a moment in the twinkling of, of an eye that happens at the coming of who Jesus Christ. At the coming of Jesus Christ, we are all changed and transformed in the twinkling of an eye. The dead will be raised first, and then we who are still alive will be caught up together to be with him forever, and so we'll be with the Lord forever, you know, as it says. And when does it say? At the sound of the last trumpet. doesn't say at the sound of the last bowl of God's wrath. It's at the sound of the last trumpet. And the reason is, is because the bowl of God's wrath is the result of a trumpet blast. But I'm going to explain that as you, see, as you as we go through. For a trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, free and immune from decay, and we shall be changed, transformed at the last trumpet. Now that is significant. That tells us when the Lord is going to return, doesn't it? When's he going to return? At the last trumpet. What's he going to do when he returns? Change us. This imperishable body will be transformed at the last trumpet. Now, that's important. Um, if you are thinking from a different you know, uh, mindset in relation to these texts, like if you're thinking, oh, well, we're raptured before anything like this happens, then you can't get your head around that properly. You can't read it plainly. You can't read it in plain text, can you? You know, there's scriptures which in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 where it says that the Lord will return after these terrible days. After the terrible days are completed, at that time I will return, he says. Now, if you're a pre-tribulationist, you can't accept that at face value. You can't read it like that. You've got to twist it to make it say something else. See, all the scriptures that relate to the timing of the return of Christ is post-tribulational. 
And that's why the pre-tribs always say there is no scripture that relates or can clearly tell us the time of his return. Because there is no scripture if you pre-trib. You can't understand post-trib mentality, if that makes sense. Anyone who understands this pre-trib, post-trib thing. This is really, really critical because I believe that the church is heading into the most troubling time in history, never to be equaled again, and the church doesn't expect to go into it. The church is expecting to be gone. 90% of the church doesn't expect to have to enter in. Now, if you don't expect to enter in, and then suddenly you're in there, what's going to happen? Sorry? You won't be prepared. There's a good chance... That what's talked about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, many will fall away from the faith. There will be a great apostasy. Jesus says the love of most will grow cold in these days. Why? Because people will be saying, hang on, I never signed up for this. I never signed up for prison sentences because I believe in Jesus Christ. You know, you want to know why this church stays relatively small? It's because of this. If you preach the hard truth of the gospel... Most people don't want to know about it. 90% of Christianity doesn't want to hear it, that they might be drawn into something that they're not prepared to go into. But we've got to get our hearts right. Amen? Jesus says, if you love your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you'll find it. That's twofold. One is the actual literal life, but the other is also giving up all the sinful pleasures of life you know, and, and dying to self, in a sense. He also says, Jesus says, unless you take up your cross, what does it say? And follow me. You're not worthy of me. And what does taking up your cross represent? Death. It means death. Now, again, death to self, we can, we can live, we can take up a cross right through our life, can't we? We can die to self and the pleasures and lusts of the flesh and all that. But also, there's another side which is what the apostles found out firsthand, actual death for Jesus Christ. Now, you've got to get your head around this. I believe any true Christian has already settled in their mind, just like a soldier before they enter an army. They've already settled in their mind, I'm prepared to die for the country. I said to Judah, because Judah was in the army, I said, you know, uh, when you sign up to the army, were you prepared to die? He said, absolutely. Actually, it was in the contract. They had to sign on it. You know, because when you go out to battle, what's, what potential is you could die. So you can't be a soldier. Now, are we any less when we're in the eternal hands of Jesus Christ? Should we not be prepared to lay our lives down for such a saviour? Amen. Now, I won't keep on going because I'm not going to finish the sermon, so I'm going to just move on. But I think that's important, isn't it? We've got to get our heads around this. Mystery completed. Now, this passage seals what I'm saying, and then you're going to see what I've got to show you. The mystery completed. Revelation 10.7 in the Amplified, and it says, But that when the days come, when the trumpet call of the seventh angel is about to be sounded, then God's mystery, his secret design, his hidden purpose, as he announced the glad tidings to his servants, the prophets should be fulfilled, accomplished, completed. At the seventh trumpet, fulfilled, accomplished, completed, end, no more, over. Jesus comes, bang, at the last trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52. That's when it is over, the seventh trumpet. Now look at these scriptures, same scripture, New Living Translation. It says, when the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. Berean literal Bible says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound the trumpet, then the mystery of God would be completed, as proclaimed to his servants, the prophets. New American Standard Bible says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. Finished. There's no more judgments. It's finished. It's over. It's complete. We must get that in our head. And I think the whole church has to take this on board. It's not. It's the seventh trumpet is the complete end to the tribulation. It says it so clear. Finished. As he preached to his servants, the prophets. Listen to this. The King James Version. 
But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, what happened? He died. It's finished. When the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, it is finished. There's no more. The last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, we're going straight there. The last trumpet of 1 Corinthians 51 to 52 is the same as the seventh trumpet which is about to be sounded in Revelation 11. If that's the case, then we should hear announcements in Revelation 11 which declare that it is finished and that the time has come for judgment. The seventh trumpet, Revelation 11, 15 to 17, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Would that be announced and then there's more judgments to come? Would you announce the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of, at this moment, kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he'll reign forever and ever from this moment forward and then I'm going to pour out some more wrath on you. No, it's finished. It's finished. The seventh trumpet, finished. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces, worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, uh, the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun the reign. The reign of Christ begins at the seventh trumpet. The reign of Christ begins right there. The seventh trumpet, Revelation 11, 18 and 19, continues. The nations are angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead. So now the judgment begins. Judging the dead. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets and your saints. So he's coming to reward all of those that have served him and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. So the battle of Armageddon, he's already done that. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Now we're just going to switch over to the seven, seventh bowl of God's wrath. In the seventh bowl... In Revelation 16, 17 and 18, it says, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne. And what's it say? It is done. It is finished. It is completed. It's over. It's fulfilled. The mystery of God revealed. You know, it doesn't say that. I added a bit to that. I'd be careful. <laughs> it is done. That's what it means. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it had occurred since man had been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. And that's the seventh bowl of God's wrath. If we continue in that, the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Now, I want everyone looking at the screen, if you could, only because you need to see what I've highlighted. You need to see these highlighted passages. And if you want to, have your Bible and mark them yourself in your Bible if you don't mind marking them. But I want you to see, because I, I spent a lot of time getting the highlights so that you could be impacted visually. So every island, this is interesting, every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. So at the seventh trumpet and the seventh bowl, this is another aspect to it, every island f is, 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 just disappears from view. You don't see any islands or mountains. They're all destroyed. From the sky, huge hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men. So upon men, there were still men there. There were still men who didn't believe in Jesus. On the earth, after the seventh bowl of God's wrath, which is, in my opinion, the seventh trumpet, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. The sixth seal, listen to this. In Revelation 6, 12 14, I watched as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and what does it say here? Every mountain and island was removed from its place. Didn't we just read that in the seventh bowl of God's wrath? Every mountain and island was removed? So what's that saying? Same thing. That's the sixth seal saying every mountain and island. What, what does God come and remove every mountain and island, the sixth seal? Then he brings them all back and then he goes on with the seven trumpets and then he goes to the seven bowls of God. And then he removes them again? No. That doesn't make sense. It's one time he removes them. When they're removed, they're removed for good. 
So at the sixth seal, he's saying something that we only hear in the seventh bowl of God's wrath. I found that fascinating. That's pretty powerful stuff. That changes a lot of eschatology if you really get it. Now what else happens if the sun turned black? The sun turned black. No more sun. I made a go there. The whole moon turned blood red. Now, this sounds like some Old Testament stuff here, doesn't it? Before the coming of the great dreadful day of the Lord. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by strong. That the sky, or the heavens in other translations, the heavens uh, rolls up like a scroll. So the heavens, we don't have any more heavens. They roll up. Gee, God just rolls them up. He got the power to roll them up. He created them and he can roll them up. Do you think after the sixth seal, he rolls up the heavens and he, the, the sun's gone and the, the moon's gone, blood red, but then he takes away the blackness of the sun and then he takes away the blood moon and then he rolls out the universe again and then he says, okay, now let's do the seven trumpets. Does that make sense? Well, that's sort of what you have to believe if you believe they're all independent and separate. So that's when I saw that. I was like, whoa, the seventh, sixth seal is announcing the same thing we see in the seventh bowl of God's wrath, which is the same thing that you see in the seventh trumpet, changes everything. Because at the seventh bowl of God's wrath, Jesus returns. At the seventh trumpet, Jesus returns. At the sixth seal, guess who's going to return? Jesus. This is in Isaiah 34.4. All the stars in the heavens will be dissolved. A sky rolled up like a scroll. All the starry hosts will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. Jesus used a verse from Isaiah in the book of Revelation in the, on, during the sixth seal to explain the same thing he explained there, the end of days, the last moments before the Lord returns. In Joel 2... 30 to 31, it says, I'll show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the dreadful day of the Lord. So when that happens, we know, bang, the Lord's coming. So the sixth seal will be broken. These terrible things we'll see. We'll see the sun going dark. We'll see the moon go to blood. Um, and we'll see the universe just roll up. And then we, we will look and guess who's coming? Jesus. It's like my power is here. He'll be like lightning from east to west. Every eye will see him. Why? Because he'll be so lit up and it'll be so dark. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed to everyone. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. And where does it say it? Clearly in Scripture. Yet if you hold a different perception, a different view, a different idea, a different concept of this, you can't see it. It's clear as day. Clear as day, but you can't see it if you think it's not going to be this way. So I've always, if pre-trip was in there, I'd be pre-trip. Amen. I'd be out of here before terrible times. I'd be the first one in the line. I'd be pushing my way to the front. Because who wants to go through those things? But if it's not true, and I'm not going to just take that on because I want that comfort. I want to be, you know, consoled. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Do you know, I have to say, there was a freaky time that happened to me. I was, I went, uh, was studying under Chuck Missler for a whole year. I did his, um, his degree or whatever he was offering. Well, it's not a degree, but it's a, a, a diploma. And during that time, I was listening to a huge amount of Chuck Missler because I had to do all these courses. And there was one moment he said something and I went, oh, the pre-trip is true, right? Because I, I got, he sort of took me on this journey and then I sort of like, wow. Eyes open. The pre-trip is true. And do you know the immediate thing that happened to me? you know what happened in my heart? I straight away went like this. Great. I don't have to die for Jesus during te terrible days. Oh, man, I feel good. Oh, wow. So I get out of all this. I'm going to miss it all. These guys are going to be left here. I'm out. And there was a, it was the most weird sensation... It's like my whole faith had been completely and radically up until that time. I was a martyr for Christ in my mind, in my whole per uh, perception of truth. I was a martyr. I was going to the cross for Jesus in a sense. And then the moment I believed that, all that disappeared just in a, 
like that, and it was gone, and I didn't have to do it, and the relief was incredible. You know, it's like a soldier getting told you've got to go to the front line in Gallipoli, and then he comes up, oh, by the way, you don't have to go now, you just, just hang around on the boat. And you go, whoa. <laughs> it felt like that. And so um, this is really, really critical, because when you feel like that, you don't want to go back. You don't want to go back to believing that Jesus could actually call you to martyr them. But you know what? It says in the Bible that many won't be. I believe God will prepare us properly and have us and keep us safe. And he also said to pray that we'll be able to escape these things. If, you, if, you, if your ears close to Jesus, you know what I mean? If your heart's close to Jesus, he'll guide you and direct you in this time. And I believe he will direct uh, many of us into safety. And he's preparing places of safety all over the planet for during these times. But that's a sermon of another time. That's Joel 2.30. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's going to happen. Now, the seventh trumpet in God's temple in Revelation 11.19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and within it in this temple. So what we see is God's temple in heaven. And this is during the seventh trumpet. And we see his ark of his covenant was there. And there came, what does it say? Flashes of lightning. Let's say it together. Rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Seventh bowl, God's temple revelation. This is the seventh bowl of God's wrath. So that was the seventh trumpet. This is the seventh bowl of God's wrath. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. And then there came... Lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. But we don't have hailstorm. Where's the hailstorm? Because the seventh trumpet has a hailstorm, but there's no tr uh, mention of a hailstorm. And people go, ah, gotcha. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Revelation 16, 21. From the, from the sky. This is during the seventh bowl. From the sky, huge. Hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. So what have we got? Earthquakes, lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, hailstones at the seventh trumpet, out of the temple, straight the same in the seventh bowl of God's wrath from the temple when the temple was opened. That's a little bit of extra proof. Does that prove something? does very similar six seal revelation 6 12 to 14 i watched as he opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake a great one now that's the only mention it doesn't have all the others in that but that doesn't mean just because it doesn't have the others it doesn't mean that it's not the same because we just read about um the same thing that's announced in the seventh bowl of god's wrath was mentioned in the sixth seal didn't we so there was a great earthquake, the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and, all, and so on. And the thing that's the same in the, from the seventh seal is that um, every mountain and island was removed from its place. Like I said, you don't remove them from their place and then put them back again so you can do your judgments and then remove them again. It just does not make sense. It's, it's silly logic to think that's how it would happen. I just want to add that in Revelation 8.1.5, we have the speaking about the seventh seal, that when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So what we have are exactly the same uh, conditions that we talked about that in the seventh bowl of God's wrath and also in the seventh trumpet thunder, rumblings, lightning, and an earthquake. It did not mention hail, but that doesn't mean anything. So the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh bowl speak of the same event. Sun turned to darkness and moon to blood. Revelation 6. Um, 
And that's the same verse we just read. I watched, this is the sixth seal. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth and so on. The heavens receded and departed, which is King James like a scroll rolling up. The outcome of cosmic events, Revelation 6.15. Then the kings of the earth, this is the sixth seal, and the princes and generals and the rich and the mighty and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called on the mountains of the rocks. These are the, the leaders in the world, they're all hiding in caves. And I've mentioned this once before, I believe, because I've already I've seen footage on YouTube of these underground bases and bunkers, bunkers that have been made for the elite, for the leaders, the people like this, you know, um, uh, the mighty and the rich and the generals and so on. And they're all in the, and these bunkers have been made for them. And then they hear Jesus is coming. They hear that on the earth, it's gone dark, and they know the book of Revelation. Right? They would have read it. They would have denied it. Hey? That's very interesting. I just read this week yeah. that out of Silicon Valley, seven, seven of the super rich have bought bunkers, yeah. transported them to oh. New Zealand, and buried them over in the ground in New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand. Everyone seems to go to New Zealand. That's like an Illuminati home base over there. Just be careful where you live. Don't, don't go too close to the cross street. So that's very interesting. It is. These are the super rich from out of Silicon Valley in California. In the bunkers. And these are the people that know what's coming and they're taking action, if you like, to to get away from them. But New Zealand's an island, it's going to disappear. Well, that's right. They didn't think of that one. They should have read a bit further. And Rob, can I just interject here too with what you're saying, how the heavens are going to be rolled up then that suggests to me that the people that go into the millennial period, the heavens won't be there. It'll be a different heaven then. It will because it says everything. We can't look up and look at the stars. The people that go into the millennial period will look up and see a completely different heaven. Correct. Because he's going to burn up the old heaven and the old earth. It's going to be completely new, a new heaven and a new earth. So that's what he does, the seventh trumpet. He rolls it up, okay, that's it, finished. Old aura things, gone. Now we're going to build a new one. Yeah, but isn't that at the end of the millennial period? When he says he, he, he recreates? That's a sermon for another time because uh, Jesus, it says in Peter that on when he returns it will occur. A 2 Peter 3.10. If you remember the sermon a few weeks ago, I was speaking about the six seals, the seven seals, and the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of God's wrath. And um, Andy brought up something about the millennium. Um, and this is the scripture that I related to you. And it says here, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And it says, The heavens will disappear. Or the heavens will, was it saying, roll up like a scroll? The heavens will disappear with a roar. And then this is a bit more information to that. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That's every mountain and island being removed, isn't it? The earth and everything in it laid bare. And the heavens rolled up like a scroll. And in this one it says the heavens will disappear with a roar. Make this massive sound. That's all at the coming of the Lord. That's before we enter the millennium. So we see all that roll up. We see everything, every mountain and island just uh, flattened, um, laid bare. So these, these kings and generals and, and rich and the mighty um, are hiding in caves and they say, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Now that's at the sixth seal. The, and now people would say, well, they're doing that because the trumpets are about to be blown. Because you might have remembered just a few, about a month ago, so I did a sermon and I said that after the sixth seal, I had all the judgments. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I had the trumpet, <coughs> excuse me, the trumpet judgments, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I sort of was leaning towards believing it was that way. But I've been completely had my mind changed of late. And you know, this, as God does, you know, wakes you up at three in the morning and you just, and all these verses are rolling through my head and he's revealing verses while I'm laying there saying, did you read that properly? Did you understand that properly? And I'm like, whoa, that's powerful. 
and then I try to scribble it down some way <laughs> in the dark. Um, but I got it. I, I remembered, which was which was good. The nations were angry. This is the seventh trumpet, and your wrath has come. So it's saying your wrath has come at the seventh trumpet. It's saying at the sixth seal, the wrath has come. See in the in the highlighted uh, the uh, uppercase. The great day of the wrath has come. The nations are angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants. So the judgment of the dead and the, the judgment of the church, I suppose, the believers, because the great white throne judgment happens after the millennial, which is for everyone else. But the judgment, obviously, it's saying it's it's straight away at the seventh trumpet. So get ready, because as the trumpets are going, get really right with God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's your time to go, okay, God's coming. You know, we're up to the third trumpet. And, uh, man, I'm going to get so hot for God, you know. And so you want to do the best you can in the last years of your life on earth. Who's getting blessed today? Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. You can see it. Now, I want you to do research. If this is new to you in any form, please do research. But as you do the research, be warned. I've been doing research on this for years. And they can take you on this journey of logic. And they twist and, twist and distort scripture. And you get to a point where you just... It, 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 you sort of think, does that even make sense? Do you know what I mean? Um, and so I sort of keep pulling away from listening to these guys and go, what does the scripture say? I just want to look at scripture. That's why I'm using so much scripture here. You know, tons of scripture. If the seventh trumpet, the seventh bowl of the same event, we should see a lot of parallel passages in the other six trumpets and bowls, shouldn't we? If the seventh trumpet and seventh bowl speak of the same thing as I've, I think I might have you know, made a clear point on that. Let's see what it says elsewhere. So the sixth trumpet in Revelation 9.13 to 17, it says, The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God, and it, is, and it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been uh, kept ready for this hour and day and month and year was released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops, and I, I highlighted that as well. Mounted troops, how many? Two hundred million. Where were they going? And I won't read the rest because I just want to sort of. It's eleven thirty. I want to sort of move on. The sixth bowl. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on. Great river Euphrates. What, what was the sixth trumpet? The river Euphrates. And if you go down. See where it says here, Behold, I come like a thief. Behold, I come like a thief. At the sixth bowl of God's wrath, he says, I come like a thief. And this is why I've never been able to take a pre-wrath view. That was the description that changed my view. I can't be pre-wrath when at the sixth bowl of God's wrath, Jesus hasn't returned yet. Because I don't believe in three returns. I believe in two, uh, sorry, I, I don't believe in two returns. I believe in one return. Jesus came, he says, I come again. He didn't say, I come again and again. He comes again once. So if Jesus had come uh, pre the seven bowls of God's wrath, it would have said something somewhere. But it doesn't. Uh, the only scripture they use is that God will not allow us to suffer God's wrath. But I've discovered that that actual word wrath is referring to hell. God will not allow his servants to suffer hell. It's not, not related to the tribulation in any way. Because in the sixth bowl of God's wrath, it says, Behold, I come like a thief. Jesus said that even in the book of Matthew. I come like a thief. You don't know the hour of the day. I come like a thief. I'll just come in and I'll be there. Bang. By this stage, those that are, are wise in Christ will, will be gauging where we are in the tribulation. And we will know. We don't know exactly when he's coming, but it's not far. You know. So he comes like a thief. So I can't be pre-wrath unless you can talk me out of that one. You have to actually remove that scripture, which I, I'd advise you not to. <laughs> but, um, and then it says down here, then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So what's that telling us? The sixth six trumpet talks about how, how large was the army? 200 million. That's a lot of people in an army. And here it says that they gathered the kings together to a place that is called Armageddon, where the greatest battle in history is taking place. How many men did they bring to fight God? 200 million. Now we understand more about what the Armageddon is going to look like. Now we understand the kind of technologies they're going to be coming at us with, coming at Jesus with, because Jesus is going to defeat them with the breath of his mouth and the sword that comes out of his mouth. 
How, how humiliating. I always say, how humiliating that is. Jesus is going to come. You've got 200 million, have you? Mm -hmm. When you've got horses that breathe sulfur, well, you should see what I've got going to breathe on you. <sighs> and destroy them. And that is exactly what he's going to do. He's going to show them up so, bit, so much that they'll be going, how could we ever think we could take on God who created the universe, who could roll the universe up like a scroll? How could we challenge such a God who has the power just to breathe and kill 200 million armed men? That's a powerful God, amen? We know how powerful he is, but they don't get it. Who they're coming up against. So can you see the sixth bowl and you know River Euphrates like that gives it away, doesn't it? River Euphrates in the sixth bowl, River Euphrates in in this sixth trumpet. Let's keep on going. The fifth trumpet, what does it say? The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And were given power like that of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes men. So they were agony in agony. Men were in agony because everyone who didn't have the you know, uh, seal of God were bitten by these things, but the Christians weren't. And the sun was darkened. There's more there, but I won't read it. Let's go to fifth, the fifth bowl. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the earth. This is a very short passage. That's it. The, the fifth trumpet has more information. That's why we get these parallel passages. You put them together and you see more. They're not separate. They're not independent events. They're together events. And we find out his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Is that what the, sixth, uh, the fifth uh, trumpet said? Men gnawed their tongues in agony. Why? It doesn't say why. We know, though, the fifth trumpet says they were bitten by scorpion-like creatures. And they were cursing God for five months. Well, they were in such agony. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their swords. So now we see it clearly because you put them together. You know, you could just about get your Bible, the book of Revelation, and... You know, print it all out, cut out these passages and put them back to back. Put them back to back. Then you see more clearly. Fourth trumpet. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars. So there were cosmic events occurring so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying midair. And what did he call out? He called out, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And the trumpet blast that are about to be sounded. So there was... When those trumpet blasts were sounded, it affected the cosmic events. Now, in the uh, bowls, we only hear of one, the sun. Fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. Um, they were seared by the intense heat and cursed the name of God who had control. So it's a cosmic event that occurred at the fourth bowl, but it doesn't give us any more information. It doesn't talk about the moon uh, or anything else. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The third bowl, he poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water. Are you seeing it? You can see it clear. That's why I want you to see this, because it's, it's clear as crystal. Um, unless you don't want it to be. And they became blood, and, and then you got more information about what happened there. Second trumpet is in Revelation 8, verse 8. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea, and a third of the living uh, sea creatures turned... Oh, sorry, a third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So the judgment was on the... Ocean. On the ocean. <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> the sea. Right, Revelation 16. Go there. And we see in Revelation 16, verse 3, and the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. And it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. Now, that's, that's the conundrum. Every living thing in the sea died here. But the other one, it says... A third. 
And I was sort of baffled with that. And then I, so when I'm baffled with something, I always ask my son John a question. <laughs> However, people say one says a third of the creatures in the sea died, and the other says the living, all the living creatures died. To understand this text and its comparison, we need to look at the literal translation, because my son has a literal translation of the Bible, um, which reveals that a key word is left out in, in Revelation 8-9, eight, eight and, and the word is psyche, or soul. Revelation 8, verse 8 to 9, and it says, The second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third of the part of the sea became blood, and a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had souls died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. That doesn't mean all the mermaids died. <laughs> right? Creatures with souls. Creatures with souls. Now, what would they be? Dolphins? Whales? The, the word soul, psyche, is everything. Everything, not gills. Right, so maybe seals. I don't know if they would... Yeah, they're sea creatures. Yeah, and they're sea creatures, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so penguins are sea creatures. You don't see them in rivers. Um, so air-breathing sea creatures. All of them die. We've done a good job of wiping them out as it is, you know, but it's going to be gone. They're going to be gone when this thing happens in the sea. Now, Revelation 16, 3, and it says this, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul, psyche, died in the sea. Every living soul. So it's saying the same thing. It's just our translations make it sound like a third of the living creatures and all the living creatures. They think they got you. No, every living soul in the sea died, and a third of the creatures in the sea, those with souls or air breathing, died. Isn't that interesting? Right? So another parallel. There's no discrepancy here. What God's revealed is true in the sense that the whole thing makes perfect sense. And it's the way Hebrews, you know, uh, study prophecy. The word for soul in both the word, uh, Greek is psyche, which means vital breath or breath of life. I believe that we are talking about whales, dolphins, seals, etc. Those who breathe air and do not have gills and yet live in, an, in and around sea. Both of these scriptures speak of creatures in the sea with souls being wiped out completely. Revelation 8 9 says, And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had souls died. So a third of the sea creatures consist of creatures with souls, and they all die. Uh, Revelation 16.3 tells us that every living soul died in the sea, which is saying the same thing. First trumpet. Uh, first trumpet says, Revelation 8.7, The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. So hail, fire, mixed with blood. Now, we, now we've seen that the seventh trumpet and seventh bowl are the same. Sixth, the same. Fifth, fourth, third, second, all the same. Mentioning the same things. Rivers of water and sea and the cosmic events and... Um, River Euphrates and so on. And then we get to this scripture, and you don't get common wording, but you get, if you read it as one, it, it explains the same situation. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Um, and Revelation 16, 2, and this is the first bowl. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. So when the first bowl or the first trumpet sounds, and this is something you, you got to understand, it would more than likely be like this. The trumpet would sound in heaven, and the angel would pour the bowl. The trumpet would sound in heaven, and the angel pour the second bowl. Another trumpet would sound, and the angel pour the third bowl. There's seven angels blowing trumpets, and there's seven angels pouring the bowls. And the first bowl, and it says, they went and poured out his bowl on the land, ugly and painful sores. So that's what happens. The, the people would have ugly, painful sores, and they'd seeing a third of the earth burned up, the trees were burned up, green grass was burned up, hail and fire. And that's probably what hit them. Hail and fire mixed with blood came upon humanity. And they broke out with painful sores. That's the reaction to this mixture that is covering them. So it must have just landed on the earth and just went everywhere. Everywhere. And if, you, if you're inside a house, it would get in there somehow and it would just be in the air that you're breathing. And all painful sores would be the result. Except those who know their Lord. It won't hit those who don't know the Lord. And the, the, the reason we know this 
is because God's done something like this once before. He did it in a place called Egypt. He did it. He did terrible. Oh, well, there was terrible plagues that came upon the people of Egypt. But what was happening to the Israelites when it was dark in Egypt? It was like when the firstborn was getting killed in Egypt, they were protected. You know, God protected His people. Right? They went through hardship. The people went through hardship. Are the Christians going through hardship? And will the Christians go through hardship? The, the Lord promised us uh, tribulation. He promises us much tribulation to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the three woes during the trumpet judgments. Now, that's, that's interesting. You don't get the first woe at the fifth trumpet, and then you get the second woe at the seventh trumpet, and the third woe at the fifth vial. You get all three woes in the same series of judgments. The first woe, Revelation 9, 9, 9.12, is after the fifth trumpet. The second woe, Revelation 11.14, is after the sixth trumpet when the two witnesses are removed from the earth. Now, I personally believe that the two witnesses will be here during the Great Tribulation and will announce to the earth each judgment. There will be two men. I, this is, I've, I've had this feeling since I became a Christian. There's no way that it actually says that's going to be the case. But I have this strong sense that they'll be, so, they'll be sent here for this. They'll be Moses and Aaron, like they were to Egypt. They'll be like that to the earth. And they'll be announcing, you know, repent, or God's going to pour out. You know, or you can't even say that because it's done, isn't it? It's final. If the judgments are repeated, it's final. It can't be changed. So they'll be uh, saying this is going to be happening. The first trumpet is about to blow. So the Christians will be kept in the loop. Because if we realise, if we recognise the two witnesses and we recognise that they say the first trumpet is about to blow and the first bowl of God's wrath is about to be poured out, get ready. We know that's what's going to happen. And that's why the inhabitants of the earth will... Hate them because they can, you know, curse the earth anytime they want. But it's not anytime they want, it's anytime God wants. They'll be only doing the will of God. And if anyone tries to harm them, what happens to them? People that try to harm them. Fire comes out from them. Fire comes out from the mouths and devours their enemies. So I believe that they will, the two witnesses will be here during the Great Tribulation, will announce to the earth each judgment. They are removed after the sixth trumpet, and then the final trumpet is blown, which is the third woe. Second woe was them, and then they are removed. The third woe is when the, the seventh trumpet. It doesn't say that the third woe, because there's no mention of the third woe in the Bible. In, in, but we know that the angel, just on the fourth trumpet, an angel says, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Three woes, they say. Then on the fifth trumpet, woe number one. Sixth trumpet, woe number two. Seventh trumpet, woe number three. I, I used to be pretty good at maths. I could work those things out. <laughs> So third way would be the completion of the seventh trumpet judgment with the announcement, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Why would there be another woe after that? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's completed. Who sees it? Yeah. Mystery completed. Last trumpet. Revelation 10, 7. But that when the days come, when the trumpet call of the seventh angel is about to be sounded, then God's mystery, his secret design, his hidden purpose, as he had announced the glad tidings to his servants, the prophets, should be fulfilled, accomplished, completed, King James, finished. Amen. So that's my sermon for today. Very good. Um, and I think it's, I really, you can see why I wanted to do it again. Because I did this about two years ago. It didn't quite get you, but I, I really wanted it so clear that it's just about undeniable, you know? Um, and you, there's a, a lot you have to speak away for me to believe otherwise, as you can see. So what I want you to do is maybe when this sermon goes live, watch it a few times, because there's a lot of information, wasn't there? Watch it a few times, get comfortable with what you, and then do your research. Then go to the Bible. Don't go to Bible teachers necessarily, because, um, you know, Bible teachers are really, really good for some things, but I believe in this, from my research, there's a one-track mind out there. Pre and it's pre-trib. And pre-trib speaks away so many of these scriptures. Actually, pre-trib never brings these scriptures even up. You don't hear a sermon like this preached. It doesn't get preached. You don't hear uh, scriptures like in, can I show you? Go to Mark 13, just to finish. Mark 13. 
Mark 13, and it says, Uh, 13 verse 14 it says when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house or take anything out let no one in the field go back and get his cloak how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut those days short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. What? For the sake of the elect who are in heaven, why would he bother shorten them? No. If they're safe. No. For the sake of his elect, he has shortened those days. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect. So there will be many deceivers teaching deceiving doctrines, if that were possible. So be on your guard, I've told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, what days? Days of distress, unequaled from the beginning of time, and never to be equaled again. In those days, following. following. Key word, following. Post, following that distress, what happens? Oh, here we go. Wasn't this just in the sixth, uh, sixth seal? The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And then it says, at that time, following these days of distress, at that time, men will see who? Son of man. Who's the son of man? Jesus What's he doing? He's coming in clouds. in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth and to the ends of the heaven. Now, what's that? What's the angels gathering? I'll tell you, Jesus is not going to use a beam me up Scotty technology. It's not going to be like Star Trek when Jesus returns. He's going to send his angels from the four corner to the four corners of the earth and, and the heavens. And he says he will send his angels and gather his elect. So those that are alive. Now that runs in line with uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52, where he says, he'll, you know, those that are still alive and here waiting for the appearance of the Lord will be lifted up and transformed and changed from his perishable body into his imperishable body. And then he goes and learns uh, from there on, he talks about victory, etc. But after those days following that distress he'll send his angels at that time you see the son of man coming and he'll send his angels gather up his elect those that are alive and have been faithful to him <coughs> through those terrible days and I've never heard one preacher teacher teach on that I've never heard of him bring him up because he can't bring that one up because you can't you have to explain it away you have to twist the words and make it sound like it's saying something else. Is that clear? Does that make it pretty clear? Um, I'm pretty passionate about it, only because I see the church in the worst state possible, and the reason is, is because we don't have witnesses in the church, or not many witnesses anymore. Um, and if you to understand what I just said, what is a witness? What's the Greek word for witness? Martus. Martus. When Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, he said, you will be my martyrs in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So what we've got is, a, is because people think in pre-trip, they no longer are ready for martyrdom. However, you know, if you go into China and if you go into uh, parts of the Middle East right now, they're martyrs. They're actually post-trip. The places where these great persecutions are taking place, to them it could just as well be the Great Tribulation. You know what I mean? They're going through a Great Tribulation. They haven't been raptured. So most of them are post-trip. It's only the West that hold the contrary thinking. All those peaceful lands where it's been peaceful for long periods of time. But we need to prepare because I believe the, the days are coming when Jesus, the words of Jesus will be fulfilled. And it does say... He says it will affect everyone on the face of the earth. No one's going to escape the troubles and the hardships of the last days. Mm. 
Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray you um, you just help us uh, assimilate everything that was spoken today. Lord, I know that there's many of us here that have got troubles with this doctrine, um, and but there's many that haven't as well, and I just thank you for that. And I just pray, Lord, that you just help us to be Bereans. And uh, I've presented my case um, strongly today, Lord, and I just pray that you bless everyone with this knowledge and that, that it helps them to... Um, hopefully uh, seek the scriptures at a deeper level and that Lord that, that as they come uh, out after studying this knowledge that their, their Christian faith will be strengthened and they will go to a new level of faith in you so I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus and I pray that you really bless everyone here and bless those that aren't here today as well may your spirit just move in their lives as well Lord and keep us strong in you and protect us all week long and I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Amen